is Actually You Are a Real Runner with Jacqueline Riccio. Today's guest is Jocelyn, which is really fun because people always think my name is Jocelyn. But anywho, Jocelyn has her master's in public health and she is a health educator at a college in Georgia. She is also a blogger and health and wellness coach. One of the things I loved hearing from Jocelyn it really contextualized things, just how young of an age disordered eating can begin. Um, I think about my students when I was a teacher in public school, especially my girls, and just kind of now realizing that the things that were going through my head about body and food were probably similar struggles that were going through their heads, even at a young age. You know, we're marketed things like Weight Watchers or Jenny Craig or Whole30 to get healthy, but oftentimes, these things lead us down roads of disordered eating, whether you have a formal diagnosis or not. I mean, I never did. Um, and nowadays, disordered eating is just this trend that is plastered all over social media. Um, so it can be really tricky to kind of decipher things and find a way of living and a way of eating that actually adds health and not stress to your life. Um, today's chat was amazing and I'm so grateful to have Jocelyn on as a guest. Make sure to check out the show notes in, um, you'll just click on the podcast you're listening to, scroll down a bit and you'll see links to connect with Jocelyn and some additional resources, um, especially an upcoming walk in Atlanta. Um, and then also the health at every size, uh, book. All right, let's get started. Today on the podcast, I have Jocelyn Resnick. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. So excited to meet you. Um, we were just chatting about Jacqueline and Jocelyn and how people mix up our names all the time. This is the, literally the first time I've ever met a Jocelyn. So really cool. So Jocelyn, I always like to get the show started and talking about what health and fitness was like for you or for my guests growing up. Um, one thing that I've noticed in all of the guests that I've had that are female it always starts, when I ask that question, it always starts off with kind of when they had an issue with their body. When I've talked to male guests, they talk about like, oh, I was involved in sports. So it's a really interesting, interesting dynamic there. So what, what was it like for you uh, growing up in your early teens, um, high school, college? Yeah, so I would say that I had a pretty normal relationship with nutrition and physical activity as a kid. Um, and when I got into middle school, high school is when I started to get more disordered thoughts around food and nutrition. So I had gained a little bit of weight during my adolescence, which I would say is pretty normal. You're growing, your body's changing. Um, I had gone from elementary school to high school, so I was buying lunch. So I had gained a little bit of weight at that point. And um, that's when I started dieting. And dieting was pretty normalized in my family. Everyone was constantly on a diet, trying to cut calories, restrict certain foods. And so I started Weight Watchers. And um, that's when I started learning a lot about nutrition, but assigning everything a point value. And so it first started out as a pretty innocent diet, ended up getting pretty disordered to the point where every thought that went through my head was about food and was about calories and what I had eaten for breakfast what I had eaten for lunch, what I was going to eat for dinner, and how that would all fit into an equation. So I started to lose weight. And as I started to lose weight, I wanted to lose more weight because I saw that it was working. So and I saw my friends and what my friends looked like and my body wasn't as small as theirs. So how come I couldn't lose more weight? So I kept restricting more and more. 
until the point where I had lost so much that my body couldn't keep up. And so that's when my metabolism really started to slow down. I had lost my menstrual cycle. I had low bone mineral density. And that's the point where I knew it was a problem. So as a result, um, I started binging. And uh, um, that was my way of bringing food back into trying to relearn how to eat without thinking about food and calories. So I had gained weight really quickly. And I think a lot of that is because I had been depriving so many nutrients from my body. So I gained weight up until college. And I would say in college is when I started to relearn nutrition, but from a point of self-compassion and nourishment. So I had taken nutrition class. I was a health and wellness studies minor um, while I was in, in college. And so I learned more that nutrition is fuel and exercise and movement is a way of self-care and a way of taking care of your body. And it's a sign of strength. So I would say that my nutrition and physical activity behaviors became more normal. I was seeing a lot of exercise science classes, would go to the gym, would do lots of different group exercise classes. And so that continued up into grad school. And I would see still like there are certain things that I will struggle with. But overall, um, when I think about food, it doesn't control every thought that goes through my head. Yeah, I think that that's so relatable. Um, what you said about Weight Watchers, I think that, that a lot of people turn to Weight Watchers, it's very commercialized, it's marketed everywhere. And it's like, like everyone has had an experience with it and assigning food points, like arbitrary points and those equations going through your head. So when you said, so you got to a point where you stopped doing that, like what's going through your mind when you were like, I, like, I can't keep doing this anymore. So I had gotten to the point where my metabolism had slowed down so much that I was barely ever even hungry. And um, I knew something was wrong. Like I didn't have my menstrual cycle. Um, my bone mineral density had gone down, as I said earlier. And so I knew it started was starting to have complications and, and impacting my health. So that's when I knew like I was trying to lose weight to be healthy. And it clearly was not healthy. Like every thought was about food. Like I would get so upset if I found out that ice cream had more calories than I thought that it had. And so it really was impacting my whole life. Like I couldn't function. I couldn't think about other things. I didn't want to eat out with friends because everything in my head was about the calories and I was exhausted. And so I got to the point where this wasn't worth it anymore. And so that's when I really turned around and I just, I wanted everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the the exhaustion. I think you hit it the nail on the head. Like, okay, wait, this started. It it like it's so worked. You start it to get healthy, and then somewhere along the way, health goes out the window, and it's like it's not even about right. that anymore. It, yeah. So okay, so that's when the binging started, which is a lot of times we think like binging is the problem, but binging only happens as a result of all of that restriction. Right. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So what, um, how did you turn things around then with, um, binging and ending the restricted binging and getting to a more balanced place? Um, yeah, so it takes a lot and, um, it's not something that happens overnight and I want to just make that very clear. And it's something that I still work on today. Um, so at first when I didn't understand why the binging was happening and I just thought it was a willpower problem and I like, I have no self-control. Um, and now like given my knowledge and everything that I've learned in graduate school and college is I know that it was a result of all the restriction that was happening. So how did I turn that around? 
So I was started taking nutrition and fitness classes in college. I did a health and wellness studies minor. And um, I started learning it from a different point of view. So learning to treat nutrition as nourishment. So we're, I'm eating to fuel my body and that all food fits. And I also learned all about health at every size, which is our weight is determined by genetics for the most part. And we're designed to look different. So we're going to be all different shapes and sizes, and that's okay. So it's eating foods that feel good. So I started to learn it from a different standpoint, and it started to learn that all foods fit, and it's not so much about the caloric value. And then I also learned like stress management and self-care and how to give my body other things that weren't necessarily food and when I just needed a break and when it's time to stop. Or maybe like I was stress eating and I just needed sleep or I needed whatever it was. Maybe it was going out with friends, but figuring out what my body needed and what my body was craving and taking care of myself. Yeah, definitely. I like that mindset. And so that whole taking care of your body instead of being at war with your body and like Mm -hmm. things just completely changed. So you touched on um, health at every size. So if anyone listening has never heard of this, you might see the like the initials H-A-E-S. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because that might be new to people. And um, it was new to me um, a few months ago. I had never heard of it. So yeah. Yeah, so health at every size, it's research-based. It's also referred to as HAYES, H-A-E-S. Um, the book is written by Linda Bacon. So if you're looking for a read, I highly recommend it. And so basically what health at every size shows is that you don't have to be a certain weight to be healthy. So your weight may fall out of that healthy BMI range, and that's okay. So it really puts the emphasis on the behavior rather than the number. So it's more so that we're working, we're eating to fuel our bodies, we're moving our bodies because our bodies are designed to move. And so maybe we're not a size zero or a size two, maybe we're a size 10 or 12 or 14 or whatever it is. It's not so much about the number. It's more about what it is that we're doing and those behaviors to take care of ourselves. Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of people can relate. Um, We get this idea in our head that like, okay, if I can just get to that smaller size, and maybe we've been there in the past. And so we're like, oh, if I can just get back to that. But what actions did I have to do to get to that? What is the thought process? How stressed out was I to get right. to that size? Like, is that actually healthy? Like, it's 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 mind-blowing because, you know, just what we're shown of, like, this is a healthy body. But it's like, but if everything I have to do is attacking my body to get to there, how? Like, it makes no sense at all. Right. Right. And I was actually just talking to a friend the other day about this. Um, back when I was in high school, I was trying to get into a size four, size six, and uh, my body is just not built that way. So, and I had to restrict so much. And, um, and so I had started gaining weight and I could never fit into that size dress. And from now, like I should never be wearing a size four just because that's not how I'm built. Mm-hmm. So it just wasn't working. I was putting too much emotion and energy into trying to fit into that size. It wasn't feeling anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, that the, the fuel that the, just thinking about food and health in a different mindset and it's just a slight shift, but it's like, Oh wait, I don't have to be trying to get skinny my whole life. Like what? (laughs) Like what does that open up? That's crazy. Um, So what does, um, so it's been a few years since all of this was going on. What does life look like for you now? Um, 
when we're talking about health at every size and maybe just like the way that you move your body or the way that you fuel your body, like how is it different than your teenage years? Yeah. So now I'm 26. I'm actually a health educator and I'm actually soon to be a wellness coach. I'm almost done with my certification. So I also work in the fields um, and I'm constantly talking about health at every size, but also wellness and well-being in general and what that means and what that looks like. So I would say now I eat everything. There's no off limits food. I don't really have fear foods anymore. Um, I believe that all food fits and it's really about like, what is it that I'm craving today? And I hate pizza before this call and um, there I had ice cream yesterday. And so I really eat everything. I still eat fruits and vegetables. So it really is all about what does my body need on this particular day? And it's going to be different. Um, and I also believe that everybody's body craves different foods. So while I can eat dairy, some people may not be able to. So it really bothers me when I hear of these dairy-free diets or gluten-free diets because all of our bodies have different needs. But going back to me and what that looks like now, I would say that I also believe that fitness should be fun. So if you don't like it, then why are you doing that to yourself? So I personally don't like yoga. And um, so I, I don't participate in yoga. It shouldn't have to be a punishment. So like I like walking. I live in Atlanta, Georgia. I like walking the belt line. Um, I like doing high intensity interval training. I'll take classes every so often. So it just, it depends what I'm in the mood for, um, what it is that my body is asking me for. So really trying to get connected um, and doing what feels good rather than what I think I should be doing or what society is telling me that I should be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, the, that should, that, oh, should, should, should. So I know for me, it was really hard when people used to say things like, just listen to your body. And I was like, I don't know what the F that means. Like, what? Like, no, I'm just going to follow this plan because they know better than me. Like they're, you know, they know better. So how, like, what tips do you have, like for listening to your body? Um, if you've never done that before and that, in that sentence feels annoying because you're like, I don't even know what that means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's okay. And that's normal. So just know <laughs> um, that's totally fine. If you don't even know where to start, I would say um, just start by like taking a break and just starting to notice like what, what foods give you energy or what type of fitness, like pay attention to like after maybe you go for a run, how did that feel? Do you have more energy Um, are you exhausted? So try to just slowly start to pay attention to what does this feel like in my body or for my body? Um, and maybe you want to keep a journal and maybe it's just one thing. Maybe I'm going to just start paying attention to how does breakfast feel for me? And, um, or what, maybe every time I eat cereal, I feel tired. So just really small, small, small steps. Um, to start finally building up to being able to listen more intuitively to how you're feeling. You don't have to do it overnight. You're not supposed to do it overnight. That's totally unrealistic. So maybe just committing to one thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think that just breaking it up and just like, wait, this is the first time that I'm like asked to give input on how these things and getting to decide, like, actually, I don't like going to yoga. I know that they say to do it, but it's not serving me. And like having that permission is completely different. Um, and you also touched a little bit on trigger foods or fear foods. I know a lot of people have that pizza used to be a trigger food for me. Um, and I ate pizza the night before my wedding, (laughs) like at my rehearsal dinner. And it's like, it's cool. Like, no, like, I, 
I don't know, trigger, trigger foods or like Christmas cookies or whatever. She's like, mm, whatever. It is what it is. How did you get there? Or like, maybe you can talk about like what your trigger foods used to be and the mindset shifts or the practices that you had to do to say like, I can have pizza or I can have ice cream and it's no big deal. Yeah. So pizza was probably my biggest fear food. Um, when I was in middle and high school, I, I, I think it was the cheese in itself that really freaked me out that this is so many calories. Like how would I ever recover from something like this? And so I went from restricting it to, as I mentioned before, to binging, um, to finally being able to get reacquainted with just like food and being able to portion it out more. Um, trying to explain that is difficult. One is to place over like probably a span of like five to 10 years. Um, but I think for me, it, it was more so tuning in with my body, slowing down um, and really focusing on self-care to the point where like, okay, I just had a slice of pizza and it's okay. Um, and maybe I had it for dinner. Like I'll still eat breakfast in the morning. I won't restrict the next day, but it just, you start to learn that all foods fit. And this, again, for me, I don't know if there was one moment where I was like, I can eat this. I think it was just like really small things and building over time where I would just reintroduce to the point where I wasn't restricting it and I wasn't binging it. It was just a meal and it was okay. So I don't, I can't really yeah. talk about like that turning point. No. And I think, I think that also is super honest too, because we're thinking, well, I'll do a whole 30 and my relationship with food will be, you know, fixed in 30 days because they told me that or 21 days, right. fixed, everything will be fixed in 21 days. But no, like five to 10 years, not that it's going to take, you know, if on the one hand, <laughs> we're never actually like never, everything's never actually perfect, but like, yeah, like this stuff takes time, like growing up and maturing and learning to talk to ourselves. I think that's one thing that you did too, that just that like, like, oh, I had this pizza, but I'm still going to eat breakfast tomorrow. Like I'm not right. And I think so. I also think that in itself was a game changer for me because so I had this mindset like beyond college into grad school into just like my first job where like I would find myself like constantly like snacking at night. And then there was this point where like, oh, I'll just make up for it tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I still like maybe I wasn't like obsessively counting calories, but I still knew like that roughly how many calories were in pizza and how many calories were in ice cream. So there was always this thought in my head, like, whatever, I'll just make up for this tomorrow. And when I stopped doing that, like when I finally just accepted, like, I'm not going to make up for this tomorrow. I'm still going to eat breakfast. I'm still going to eat lunch. Like I'm just going to go about my day. Those cravings actually went away to the point where like I, at night, like I didn't feel like I needed to have a bowl of ice cream anymore because I wasn't restricting the next day. I wasn't telling myself that I was going to be cutting back the next day. So that was magical for me. And that I can definitely say was the turning point. Yeah. I get that question asked me a lot. How do you curb cravings? And I'm like, you eat the food. <laughs> like, you, yeah, absolutely. like you curb cravings, not by, not by eating almonds or like whatever you like eat it. And people are like, but no, I, I couldn't do that. And I'm like, I know it's hard at first because you're like, well, if I eat this, it's going to fall apart. But it's like, yeah, but like eventually it just, it stops falling apart. Like you start like, oh, actually I feel really gross when I eat an entire pizza. Right. I will have two slices. Like, 
right. mind blown. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. And I see that all the time with the fitness studios. It's we're not eating carbs or whole 30, whatever it is for restricting X, Y, and Z for the next month, or I'm not going to eat bread for the next month. It's a new year, it's 2019. And um, when we do that, we start to send signals to the brain that are telling our brain, like, I'm going to restrict. And so as a result with fight or flight, and we're activating these survival mechanisms, our brain's just going to fire those cravings more and more. So you're sending signals that are saying like, you're not going to eat the brain. All it wants is food. And that's really what is fueling those cravings. So when I finally learned that science, it, it changed everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've had a lot of people tell me, and I, this was true for me as well, that like doing a whole 30 or some people have said this about keto as well. When I'm doing it, it's so easy because I just don't like the carbs are off limits. It's not even there. But then day 31 or I had someone tell me like I did a whole 100. Day 101, day 102, it's like oh, I haven't had carbs. And now, you know, I've been restricting carbs for 100 days. Yeah, like <laughs> pendulum's going to swing. That is all your body wants. Like, right. and, and, and that's hard. And so then the mindset is, well, no, I just have to do this. Like, I just have to never eat carbs. Like I, and in carbs, it's so weird because I think that, you know, maybe 15 years ago, fat was the thing that was like, oh, don't eat fat. And now it's like carbs is the enemy. Carbs is the worst mm -hmm. thing. And it's like, really? Pizza's delicious. Right. Like <laughs> I love pizza. Yeah. I like, no. Oh and I absolutely, I think that pizza is part of a balanced lifestyle and pizza makes me happy and it's part of my emotional and my social well-being. And so it absolutely fits. And, and granted that if you're exercising or if you're an athlete, your body needs carbs and our brains need carbs to function. I'm so glad you said that. When I was training for my first marathon is when I was first doing Whole30. And so I was, I was afraid to eat a sweet potato like a sweet potato. Mm -hmm. And there were times that I was like out in the middle of the run and I was so exhausted, but also like so afraid to eat a sweet potato, which is just like sweet potato, right. Jacqueline, Why? like, <laughs> like of the, the, the most controversial foods, like sweet potato, seriously, but that like my body needed carbs, my body needed that energy. And I wasn't giving it to that. I kept, no, 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 I can't have that. I have to follow this person's rules. And um, yeah, it's hard. <laughs> so it's the beginning of the new year and there's a lot of, you know, diet messages, diet culture messages, cut the carbs, start a whole 30, do a detox, do a cleanse. How, like, how do you navigate and just like all of these messages being thrown at you and like being told that this is healthy? Like, how do you navigate that or suggest to someone? Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's definitely, it's tough because society is going to send you so many different messages that juice cleanse, weight watchers, Jenny Craig, and the statistics are there that 95% of diets don't work. So if your birth control was, had a 5% chance of working, like would you still take it? Oh. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but so that's pretty much what the statistics are. But I think the dieting industry on top of that, they disguise it. So they're like Weight Watchers. It's not a diet. It's a lifestyle change. I hear that yeah. a lot. Or like, I don't know, Whole30. It's about lifestyle. It's not really a diet. But if it's, you know, getting into the restriction and, you know, teaching people to count points or calories or whatever it is, it's a diet. So be wary of that. But also I think that it's really important to know that the dieting industry is really profiting off of your insecurities. 
And that's, that's what they do. You're not good enough. Maybe you don't look a certain way. Try this. Try that. Try our diet. Change yourself. Um, I think a lot of people go into 2019, I'm going to be a better person, but you're already a great person. So it's all about, they profit off of convincing you that you need to change yourself. And I think that it's really important um, as individuals that we really gain that self-compassion where we are proud of who we are and we want to take care of our bodies that we don't need to give into these messages and all these quick fixes. That's not going to make us better people. That's the dieting industry. They just want to profit. And uh, when you do fail because the dieting industry, those are the statistics um, is that you probably will. They blame the consumer. So it's your fault. You didn't have enough willpower. You weren't strong enough. You couldn't do this. And so that's, that's pretty much how it works. And so uh, I think it's, it takes a lot and it's hard because the messages are all over the place. But to know that like you are strong and you're beautiful and you don't necessarily, you don't need a diet to change you. Yeah. I think that statistic that when you said about the, the 5% of birth control, like, yeah. whoa. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I also think it's hard too, cause it's like, you know, I have a saying that like all diets work, but it just depends on what your definition of work is. Do you want to lose weight like really fast and then finish that diet? And then where, like, where, where are you left? Now you've been like cutting things out of your system. You, you know, ruining your relationship with your body, attacking your body, attacking your relationship with food. Now it's day 22 or it's day 31. And you don't know even know how to approach, you know, life. Like, did that diet actually work? Like, ugh, right. now you're part of that other ninety five percent, and you like don't have this relationship built up anymore. And it's also the statistics are showing that one in four diets will turn into an eating disorder, which is pretty terrifying. Um, so that's something also that's really frightening. And um, I don't remember the exact statistics, but I think like eighty percent of girls around ten or eleven years old are afraid of becoming fat. And um, we talked about health at every size a little bit earlier and like our bodies are just different and we're all built in different shapes and sizes and there's no one body that's better than an and another. So it, it really, it bothers me a lot when the dieting industry is constantly sending these, these messages to girls that you're not good enough and boys because it impacts everyone. Yeah, definitely. I think that too, when you said about the, the 10 or 12, um, you know, when you think about you you know, when you were in third grade or fourth grade or fifth grade, or the first time that you started noticing your body and not feeling so great about it. And you start to see that person in your mind, or I used to be um, an elementary school teacher. And I just remember one of my second graders, like, you know, oh my gosh, Mr. Gill, I'm fat. And I was like, no, like you're in second grade. Like <laughs> this is, well, one, it doesn't matter. Like, it just doesn't matter. And like you said, like our bodies change as there's been times that I've been thinner and there's been times that I've been heavier, but it's like, I don't know the times that I've been really light. It's just like the mindset that I had. Cool. Great. Did I like myself more? No. Did my husband like me more? No. He was like, you're so neurotic. We can't even go out to dinner because you're not allowed to eat anything. Like, right. Yeah. And I was also just going to add, like, the people that love you, love you no matter how much you weigh. They don't really care if you gain a pound or you lose a pound because it's not about the weight. That's so true. And I think a really good, when you said that too, it's like, I can look out and it's like, how many of my friends am I friends with or any people, person in my life, how many of them am I friends with or love them because they weigh X, Y, Z or because 
like, or like, I don't know, literally none, none of them. (laughs) And like, when you think about the people that you look up to and your role models, like, are you thinking about how much they weigh? (laughs) Not necessarily, because it's not really about the weight. It's more about like, what do you do? And like, what are you doing that inspires me? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Oh, man. So you are the, um, remind me, you have a walk coming up. I want to touch on that. And we talked about eating disorders a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit more about the organization that you're with? Yes. So I have been volunteering with the National Eating Disorders Association for the last like four or five years since I was in college. And so I was always doing a lot of outreach and education about eating disorders um, while in undergrad, graduate school, and just now my post-grad career. So I have been involved with the Needle Walk um, for, this will be my fourth year. So I was involved when I was living in Washington, D.C. for two years, and then I started in Atlanta, Georgia last year. So the walk will take place on February 24th. Um, So it's just over a month away, and it will be in Piedmont Park from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. And it's to raise awareness around eating disorders, body image, um, really just to build community and advocacy and really helping to, um, fighting to stop eating disorders and to really start to educate people that all bodies are beautiful and you can be healthy at every size. Yeah. And I, I, I kind of want to touch on that a little bit more too. We both talked, um, that, you know, neither of us were ever diagnosed with an eating disorder. Um, and you know, the big ones we think of bulimia and we think of anorexia, Um, But can you talk a little bit more about what other eating disorders there are there and, you know, like that you might not have been diagnosed, but there's these like, you know, there's other things that. Right, right. And so I don't know if I specifically mentioned that, but I have never been diagnosed. Um, I think that the medical field doesn't always pick up um, on eating disorders just because it is so stigmatized and they don't teach about eating disorders in medical school. But um, so a lot of people tend to think of anorexia. Um, And they tend to think of a really, really emaciated, typically a woman. Um, But the thing is that weight is not really um, a determining factor for an eating disorder. So you can be overweight and have anorexia, uh, bulimia, and then some others. So orthorexia is a big one. And orthorexia is um, compulsive behavior around healthy eating. So it's really that whole clean eating terminology. And um, clean eating really perpetuates the idea that like there are some foods that are good and there are some foods that are bad. So if you're eating a food that is not necessarily clean, so maybe you're thinking of it as a brownie or a piece of bread, that you should feel ashamed and you should have to make up with that, for that with compulsive behavior. So maybe it's over-exercising. So that's orthorexia. I think that one is pretty common. Binge eating disorder is the most common eating disorder that there is. It is also the most stigmatized. Um, I think that we're afraid to talk about it because it's a willpower issue or it gets confused with this whole obesity epidemic. Um, but like binging is that's what happens when we restrict is that our brains are wired to binge and it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. That's just the neurology of our bodies. So binge eating disorder is a big one. Um, there's also OFSFED, um, which I can't remember the acronym, what it stands for. Um, off the top of my head right now, but there are also like other eating disorders that aren't necessarily specifically labeled, but that also fall into the spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, I think that the orthorexia and the binge eating are very common these days and binge eating as a result of 
the, the clean eating, like you said, that was definitely something that I struggled with. And a lot of the women that I talked to, like after doing whole 30 or keto, it's just like, Oh my gosh, I was bad. Ooh, I'm just going to keep eating all of this. Cause I like, I wasn't perfect. <laughs> I right. messed up. I wasn't perfect. Let me just do this. I'll start another whole 30 and I'll fix this. I'll fix this right. and clean up this mess and get back to being pure and everything will be fine. Um, and it's common right. and it's, it's scary. And it's like you said too, like the whole like wellness and lifestyle change is this mask of like what's really happening. Right. And the other thing that I wanted to point out is that eating disorders don't discriminate at all. So I mentioned before, we tend to think of like an emaciated woman, but they affect men. They affected, they affect all different socioeconomic statuses, races. So it's not like there's one image They're They're silent. So you may not necessarily see it and it may still be there. So it's something to just keep in mind that just because somebody doesn't fit that image that you have in their head, that doesn't mean that they're not struggling. And beyond eating disorders, I think that just body image in general, I think oh, so many of us struggle with body image because we live in the society that is basically telling us that we're not good enough. So just know that you're not alone um, if you feel insecure about your body. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So as it is the beginning of the new year and if someone is wanting to have a healthier new year without it being a diet and maybe not even just about food, but like, just mm -hmm. like, I want to be happy this, you know, I want to be happier. I want to be healthier. And maybe not even the whole new year, new you, new you, but just like the health at every size, like those kinds of things. What are some tips that you might have for them um, just to get away from that diet culture message? I think um, what I would say is that just because diet culture doesn't work per se, but that doesn't mean that nutrition and physical activity aren't important. Nutrition and yeah. physical activity are still important. So I just want to make that clear. So I think that my advice would be that you want to move to take care of yourself. You want to move because it feels good, because it's a form of self-care and self-compassion. So I talked about this earlier, but find those forms of fitness and movement that feel good. And then the same thing goes for nutrition. We're eating to nourish our bodies. Um, so yes, we're still going to eat fruits and vegetables, whole grains. We're not only going to eat pizza all the time. Of course, pizza fits, everything fits, but really starting to just focus on what foods give me energy and what foods feel good and let yourself have the ice cream. And I'm just thinking more about wellness. Um, and where everything fits because I'm a health educator and, you know, there's five, there's, well, we go off of five dimensions of wellness, but we focus a lot on our emotional well-being, which is our mental health, our social well-being, professional well-being, um, physical. So it, all of those go hand in hand in order to live a healthy lifestyle. So our mental health is just as important as our physical health. And if we are not mentally well and we're constantly worrying about food and calories, then that's not healthy either. And if all we ate was kale, that's not healthy either. So I think my advice, again, would be to just start small and just start to notice what feels good and what really, what is taking care of yourself and what does that mean to you? That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No one, no one is healthy if the only thing that they're eating is kale and they're sitting in their apartment by themselves eating kale because they're afraid of, you know, what oil might be at a restaurant and they can't go out with their friends. Like, they're so healthy. Yeah, there's so much more to health than just the food. So, oh gosh, I'm so glad you touched on that. Wonderful. So if someone wants to reach out to you and learn more from you, um, where can they find you? Yeah, so uh, um, 
one, you can email me and uh, it's jocelyn.resnick at gmail.com. And we can add that. I have an Instagram page again, which is just my first name, Jocelyn underscore Resnick. Um, I also have a blog, which is called empower, inspire change. Um, so you can follow that too. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. It's, um, I think it's really fun reading someone else's blog, someone that you've like never met. And then you're just like, Oh yeah, I've said that. I've done that. I've said that. Yep. And you, you like, like you said, like you, you just don't feel alone. You feel like validated, like, Oh, like these thoughts in my head are not just mine. Like other people have struggled with this too. It's like, <sighs> like it's, it's right. yeah, I'm not alone. And I would say for me also, so I, when I went back when I was talking about where my eating disorder had originally started back when I was in high school, it was in college that I started to have classmates that were sharing their stories and I was sitting in class and I'd be like, wow, same. Um, and so that's when I started to realize that like, it wasn't just me and that my story was not unique. And there were so many other people with the same struggle. And that's where I finally started to work more and more to really do more outreach and seek more resources and to the point at where I am now where I'm more than happy to share my story and more than happy to talk to other people about it. So it's just realizing that like, this is normal. This is not only me. It's just that because it's so stigmatized, we don't talk about mental health. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It was great having you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right. Thanks.